Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Uh, well, hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Josh Gardner. I'm the minister to students. If we haven't met uh, here, so that means I hang out with uh, 6th through 12th graders all the time. So it's refreshing to me uh, to get to see your faces uh, uh, this morning. Um, faces that maybe are a little bit more attentive, maybe aren't doing this number. <laughs> you know? So, although we do, we did start handing out little handouts on Thursday nights to help kind of help focus so that's been helpful, but I didn't do that for you guys this morning. I should have done that. I should have done that, giving y'all fill in the blank. That would have been fun. Uh, anyway, uh, but hey, I'm really excited about uh, continuing our series uh, in this, really this pursuit, uh, this pursuit that at Flourishing Grace, we are pursuing radical dependency, right? Uh, dependency on God fully for everything. So today we reach, give us this day, our daily bread, as we're thinking about that. Um, but as we've thought about this pursuit, um, our pastor of Preaching and Vision, Josh Knight, he's said over the last two weeks, which by the way, if you haven't heard the last two sermons start, uh, starting the Lord's Prayer, go ahead and go back that maybe this week and listen to those as well, um, because I think it's super helpful uh, for us. But uh, he's said over these last two weeks that dependency is, is not something that we uh, sometimes, or not at all, naturally want. We know this because in the beginning, in the garden, uh, in the Garden of Eden, what was the temptation for Adam and Eve? That they would be God. Like, they would be like God and have full, like, radical autonomy from God. And so we kind of, in the same way, we want to be independent. And there's, there, and even in our world, in, in the West and in America and in the society we live in, where independence is something that's praised, right? Like, being able to to have uh, the things that you need because of your hard work and all those things. And I'm not saying hard work isn't it, hard work is biblical, um, hard work is completely biblical, but what we do a lot of times is we end up believing that independence from God is better than dependency on him. But what we see throughout scripture and what we see in our world is when, when the people of God are completely dependent on him for every little thing, that is actually the best place for us, like the absolute best place for us. So today we're going to do a little bit of work because I know even as I say that for some of you that there's like a little bit of like a fight in you for that. Of like, ugh, do I really want that? Do I really want to relinquish control over these things? Because if I link, relinquish control to God, then I have to trust him. Right? I have to trust him. But I believe that God is worth trusting and that he actually has what's good and right for us. And not only do I believe that, but the Bible is clear and God has shown that to us. So before we get started, I need to give a little caveat. So in our student ministry on Thursday nights, midweek, we're, we are preaching through the book of Exodus right now. So I'm just letting you know, a lot of that's going to come out here because it's just, I'm literally just studying Exodus. For, we're preaching it the entire semester and it's awesome and fun. But as, I'm, as I've been studying for this, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like this in Exodus. So just get prepared, okay? So if you want to put your finger in Exodus, just flip around there. Um, those passages won't be on the screen, but I'm going to talk about different things in Exodus. So just be prepared for that. Cool? Is that cool? Um, 
Also, another caveat um, is if you've been around enough, you know that Josh Gardner, when he preaches, he talks about uh, three things. One, always talks about Jesus, duh, okay? But two, somehow I slip Texas into everything that I do, right? Because I'm from Texas. And then three, a lot of times I end up talking about my time in college. Uh, I talk about my time in college. And the, the reason for that is because God moved in me so much in college. Um, I became a believer when I was in elementary school. I became a believer in Jesus and uh, trust him with my life as, as, as much as a little, uh, you know, elementary school kid can and, and believed in him and he saved me and brought me out of darkness into his light by the blood of Jesus. But then as I was working through my life, it wasn't really, it was like in late high school and then into college where God really wrecked me with what it really means to follow Jesus. And really wrecked me with this, the pursuit of dependency on him. Because I was kind of living a life that was a little bit, uh, kind of like a Pharisee in the sense of I believed in Jesus and I knew what he did for me. And I, I fully trust in that. But now it was kind of my time to like work this out. Right? It was my time to like figure this out in my life and to, to push these things all throughout my life. And it was God that wrecked me with the reality of, no, the same dependency you had in me to, to believe is the same dependency you should have in me every single day, and I'm going to do these things in you. And I think for some of us, that dependency is really hard to get to. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping for us that as we look at this, we can, uh, even this morning, uh, and even throughout this whole week, be able to say, God, I, I need you. I need you in every area of my life. So kind of just going back a little bit, because I want to, I want to kind of make sure that we're understanding uh, this part of the Lord's Prayer correctly. So going to back to what we read, if you look there in Matthew chapter 6, 9, he starts, Jesus starts this prayer that's not an incantation. It's not like this thing that you pray. I don't know. Again, Texas, in Texas, very nominal Christianity everywhere. And so this, the Lord's Prayer was something that like football teams would get together and they'd be like, oh, our Father art in heaven, hell be like before the game, like it was gonna like put some spice on their, on their throw. Like it was weird, right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is teaching his disciples because the disciples, think about it. What did the disciples see Jesus do more than anything else almost? Over and over in the gospels, you see Jesus like go off and pray constantly. Like he goes off and prays all the time. And it's preemptive too, if you noticed. It's never like, not usually like something happens so Jesus goes off. No, it's Jesus goes off and prays and then all these things happen after that. Right, it's this preemptive prayer. And so they, when they ask Jesus a question, teach us how to pray. Prayer is the thing that we see you do the most. And why? Because Jesus was the most dependent person on the Father. And so, here's where he starts. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And just to recap these things, he's saying, Our Father, so like Brett said, Our Father who loves us and cares for us, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy and perfect and mighty. In, in Exodus, in Exodus, the, uh, God says to Israel and says to Moses that back when I revealed myself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I revealed myself as God Almighty or El Shaddai. God Almighty or like big, huge God or like mountainous giants, the God, God. He's big and massive and crazy huge. And then he, he reveals himself 
to Israel in Moses' day as Yahweh, as his personal God. I am who I am. I am, I am the one who created everything, but I also am the one who's with you. I am yours. I'm your God, right? And this is our God. He's big and huge and massive, and yet he's with us. He's created everything seen and unseen. He's created the things that our brains can't even fathom. He's created our bodies that do all of these things without our minds having to even think about it. And he is our father. And then he goes into, like, and it's, it's just this reorienting the disciples' heart on who God is, that he's big and that we aren't, right? But then going into your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you didn't know this, um, if you didn't know this, earth is not like heaven. Earth is not like heaven right now. Uh, If you woke up this morning and you read any news or in the last couple days or just driving here on the road, you probably realize that this is not, or you hope that this is not what heaven would be like, right? That there is, there is turmoil and destruction. Sin has caused so much pain and anguish and anxiety and everything around our world. There's a team uh, from our church that we sent to India for the last week to go and help build these water, uh, water plants, essentially, that, that bring purified water to places that don't have it. That's not a thing in heaven. That's not a thing in the kingdom of God. right? And so we pray for these things. We ask God to move in these areas, that there are 600 plus million people who are starving right now, that, that that is not what heaven will be like. We see a glimpse of that, that every tear will be wiped away and there will be, everyone will have what they need in heaven. So this earth is not like heaven. So God calls us to cry out to him and ask him for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done. Because we know God's will is perfect and right and ours is not. Like, humanity's will is not good and right. It's bad. And again, look at the world. You can see that, right? And so he calls us to pray these big things, to look up towards God, hallowed be your name, to look out and say, your kingdom come and your will be done. These are things that we can look at and say, uh, man, I know God. If I don't pray for these things, there's no chance that I can do anything for these things to be achieved. So I need you to do them. So they're big and huge and mighty. And then, almost seemingly, you kind of hit this left turn a little bit here, where Jesus says, now give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Tyler Statton in the book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, we're going to quote that, I'm going to quote that a couple times uh, today, uh, this morning. Um, But he says, uh, in this passage, that Jesus throws in something as common as today's lunch. Um, which I think is hilarious to me because it is what happens. It's like this crazy cosmic things. And then, and then he says, give us this day our daily bread. And I think that's so beautiful to me. It's so absolutely beautiful because here's what it shows. It shows us that our God cares about the whole entire world and what is going on. And his kingdom come, his will be done, is good and right. And yet, he also cares about you and me individually. Like he cares that we have what we need. He cares about the common, small things. So Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. That every day we should be a people that goes to God and say, God, I need you to give me exactly what I need today. 
exactly what I need. God, give me the food that I need. God, give me the patience I need with my kids. God, give me the love I need for my spouse. God, give me um, the, the love I need for my neighbor who irritates the crap out of me, right? Like, because you love them and you care for them and I'm having a hard time right now. And so there's nothing, what I love about this is Jesus is blatantly saying, look, there's nothing too small for our God that we can't go to and pray for. This is what daily bread prayers look like. Small, every need, everything I need, prayers. Everything I need, prayers. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my spot. So, here's what I want to do. Is I want to uh, kind of think about uh, you in the room and myself, I was trying to think through, man, what are the reasons why uh, maybe this daily prayer hasn't, uh, like we, we don't do this. It seems to be easier to pray for the things out there than to pray for just today. God, give me what I need for today. And so I've kind of tried to categorize us into three categories here. And so I hope that if you fit into one of them, if you don't, Uh, come talk to me after, but I think we all fit into one of these categories. And then I want to talk about, okay, what does it look like for us if we are people of daily bread prayers? Like, what kind of dependency does that sow in us when we actually pray daily bread prayers? So the first person I was thinking about is that you might be someone who feels like God is too distant or too busy or too important for you, and so why would he listen to you? And I think there's a portion of this category that aren't yet believers. And there's another portion of this category that are, um, and maybe just a little bit confused. But I think for, for many people in this category, if you believe that God is too distant and just, nah, he's out there and he's created everything, but he really doesn't care about me, then I, I feel like you might not know and understand the gospel. Because what's beautiful about the gospel is that God has sent his own son to die in the place that you and I deserve and then adopt us into his family. God takes enemies and he makes them heirs, right? He takes you and me who are messed up and broken and disgusting and he washes us clean by his blood alone. He comes down to us and he does all the work. He says, if you believe in me and believe in what I've done, you're brought into the kingdom of God and it's finished. It's done. There's nothing else. You have to prove yourself to me. You have to do anything for me, I will be your God and you'll be my people. That's what he says. If you believe in Jesus. And that, that salvation, that belief in Jesus is not just like a get out of jail free card where uh, you know, when you die, once you die, like now you don't go to hell but you go to heaven with God. But now that God, and I think this is the part of the gospel that a lot of people are, are missing, to be honest with you. That that. Not only, it's not a get out of jail free card, but that God actually wants to, God actually places his own spirit in you if you believe in Jesus. The Bible actually calls us temples of the living God. And the temple is where God dwelled, where his presence was. Now you and I, if we believe in Jesus, he dwells with us. Like he's personally, I tell our students all the time, every step that you take, he is with you. He walks with you. 
The Bible also says that God did all this to reconcile us to himself, taking something broken and making it new and whole again. And he does this so that we can experience his presence now. And so that we could be so that we could be uh, that we could glorify him and enjoy him forever for the rest of our lives and for eternity after. And so, if you know the gospel and you know this to be true, then you know that it's that God can't be too distant, that he can't be too far from you, that he can't be too busy because he's done everything so that you could have a relationship with him. Right, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast, casting all your, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And this is what I love, is that God simply just cares for you. He loves you. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're still there in, in chapter 6, verse 25 when Jesus, uh, you know, talking more about this, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap uh, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Right, the God of the universe loves you and cares about you. You are more valuable than the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. You are more valuable. He loves you and he cares for you and he shows you that in that Jesus, he sent his own son Jesus for you. The second category of people is, um, is similar in some ways to the, same, uh, to the first, except for this. Uh, like you might be someone who finds it really easy to pray for kingdom things, for like big things, for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to come. But like, if you're honest with yourself, every day you're not finding yourself dependent on God. Like maybe for the big things, right? And I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's easy for you to pray uh, for, for big things because it's easy to understand that you're not in control, right? So it's easy for you to pray for the state of just what God is doing in our country or in the world because you, on an individual level, it's easy for you to see, like, I don't have that much control by myself of that, right? Does that make sense? But, um, so it's really easy to be like, well, like, I can't. It's like, it's like if there's a uh, bodybuilder next to you that knows, you know that he can pick up a whole car, like you're not even going to try, right? You're going to say, hey, dude, can you pick up this car? I don't know why you'd need a bodybuilder to pick up a car for you. I don't know where that came from. It's not my notes. Um, so just scratch that, okay? Um, but it's like that, right? It's like that. It's like, well, obviously I have to ask God to do this because I can't do anything about it. And that's a little bit weak in our faith, like if we're honest, right? Because it's like, well, duh. Like we have to ask God to do these things. Um, but I think the problem is when, uh, when we begin to uh, be people who, it's good, we should, obviously, pray for kingdom come, will be done, but we don't pray daily for what we need. Our, our view of God's kingdom come and will be done doesn't uh, push into our own lives, and it begins to separate us from what God is doing outside, and it really grows in us uh, a really uh, wrong view of what God wants to do in our lives. Um, and, and, it, and it helps us to be independent, and that's not what we want to be. Uh, again, Tyler Staten in, in Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, he says this, when we trust God with our worldviews, but not our current experience in the world, we are, fail, uh, sorry, we are falling victim to the lure of control. Basically, the only reason we pray for certain things now is because we, don't, we know that we don't have control over them. 
right? We know we don't. And so the things that we have perceived, like, I have control over this, we don't pray for. And some of you, like, and I think this for myself, there's a little bit of us, it's like, well, okay, God, God, you've, uh, like, now I have a job that means I can provide for my family. And again, those are biblical things. They're good. I'm not saying quit your job and just lay at home and, and that's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I'm saying is when we begin to live independently from God and we almost, sometimes we almost say, hey God, I'll shoulder this because like you got more important stuff to do. It's like, well, no. Like if we understand, if we're so dependent on God and we realize that the breath in my lungs today was given by God. The fact that I woke up was given by God. The, the, the skills that I have were given to me by God. The job that I have was given to me my, by God. Like the situation I'm in, it was given to me by God. This is where we begin to trust him more and we begin to move into dependency on him. And then for some of you, you might be a person who honestly, you are a person of, of daily bread prayers. Like for a prolonged period of time at this point, you're someone who prays for everything. And I know you're in the room because I've experienced this from you. Like you're the people that when someone says something, like, ah oh man, like just even something going on in their life, they're like, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. There's nothing too small to you to pray for. And this is where I believe that we all need to be. Um, I don't know about you, um, I'm a problem solver, like, I'm, I, I like to solve problems. Uh, it's not great for my wife because there's a lot of problems that don't need to be solved. The ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Like, but I do. I like to try to solve problems. That's another thing. There are a lot of problems I can't solve, but I try to, and it makes it worse, okay? Um, but, like, I, I like solving problems. And so for some of us, like, there is a little bit in us where something happens, and it's like, okay, how do we, how do we get this done? How do we do this? How do we... But there's not a stop and pause and ask, God, in this moment, I am in need of this. I'm in need of you to do something here. And that might be the means of someone else coming along. That might be the means of you remembering like something that, God, that you've actually experienced years ago, and you're like, oh my gosh, I actually can do something here. right? But God working in this situation, but that we're so dependent on him that, he, that, that everything we pray over, everything, no matter how small it is. So again, this series is called The Pursuit of Dependency. And I think that daily bread prayer, I think all, the whole Lord's Prayer is teaching us how to be dependent on God, obviously. But I think also, if we are dependent on God, um, but we aren't relinquishing control of our day-to-day life, which, let's be honest, you had control. Today, you had control over what you did. You woke up, you hit the snooze button. How many times? You had control over that. I hit it a couple times today. Um, right? You got in your car, you drove here, you had control over the day. But how much did we pray over the things that are happening today? Right? But I believe this is where dependency starts with daily bread prayer. If we were people who all, every day, everything was just soaked in prayer because we knew that God was in control, and that we are not. And how amazing would that be? How amazing would that be? So here's what I want to do. I just want to focus on two things. that I I think that we see here that daily bread prayer grows uh, in us. That daily, as we become people who are daily bread prayers, 
God develops these things in us and draws us closer to himself and draws us into more dependency on himself. So as we begin to pray these daily bread prayers, uh, daily bread prayer grows our relationship with God. Like it actually makes us have a better relationship with him because we're talking to him. We're asking things for him. It makes us go deeper in our relationship to him. Right? As we pray every day for the small things, we see him actually sustain us. We start to see him working as we pray every day, God, would you give me patience for my kids? And we begin to see that patience develop in us or our kids becoming more tirades and God just like giving us, uh, giving us, yeah, giving us patience or giving us people moving things into our lives to help us in that way. Um, or as we pray for God to give us wisdom in communicating, or as, God, as we pray for God to just provide what we need for the day, we begin to see him answer those prayers. And over time, we begin to see by his spirit that he changes our hearts, that we begin to realize that even some of the things that we were praying for that we said we needed, that God is actually transforming our heart to make us realize that we, we didn't really need that thing, we actually needed something else. Right, that God begins to provide, maybe we're praying, God, I, I think I need this. Would you provide this? And he begins to provide something else over here. He begins to develop in us a relationship in which we can trust him. Again, Tyler Statton, you should just buy the book and just read that. If you want, y'all can get up, go go ahead, buy the book, just read the, it's fine. Uh, no, um, he says this, uh, we cannot... Uh, sorry, we cannot build trust with God without asking. We cannot relate to God if we never ask. Without asking, God is something less than a free uh, relational uh, being. He is a machine delivering on our desires, maybe even before we be- become conscious of what we want. Asking is the means by which we build the relationship with God he designed us to enjoy. Um, and I think this might be the reason for some of you, you might not feel like your relationship with God is a relationship at all. Like you might be struggling in this. My, my question to you is, are you asking God to do something in everything? Are you praying and seeking him in every part you do? Look, daily bread prayer is simple. It's not something that we have to like think and conjure up and like have all of these crazy words to. Again, Jesus said, just give us this day our, our daily bread. Like, it's simple. I need my lunch today. I need to be fed today. Like, it's not this crazy thing. It's just praying, God, would you, would you move in this place? God, I need you here. That's it. Like, if we were the type of people that constantly are in daily bread prayer, what would we see God do? In Luke 11, there's a parable that Jesus tells of um, basically a... <laughs> Um, a man who knocks on another on his neighbor's door at night. You guys know this parable, some of you. And he, uh, I probably didn't give enough to explain it, but he knocks on the uh, knocks on the this neighbor's door at night and asks for a couple loaves of bread. And and the man in the house is like, dude, go away, okay? This is the JGV Josh Gardner version. Uh, dude, go away, like. <laughs> Uh, go away, I am already in bed, my kids are asleep, like everyone's down for the night, just go away. And says, but um, the man will get up because you're so insistent, knocking on the door to him. 
And the whole point of that parable is not that God is your neighbor that kind of hates you a little bit for knocking on his door at night. The whole point is, man, if the neighbor will do that because you're so insistent on asking for something that you need, how much more will the God who loves you personally answer that? And this is what we begin to see as we pray daily bread prayers, that God actually is not just, he's not even in bed like sleeping and we have to like wake him up. He's eagerly at the door for us. As we knock, he's there wanting us to ask. All over, we see Jesus like basically make these statements where uh, he's asking someone who's obviously like sick, do you want to be healed? And they're like, well, duh, right? But they say, yeah, I want to be healed and he heals them, right? It's this, God wants us to ask for what we need and he's gracious enough to give it to us and we begin to see this relationship form. So as we pray daily bread prayers, it grows our relationship with God. It grows our relationship with him. We, we become closer to him. We see his character. We see who he is. We see what he's done for us. It moves outside of these walls, right? It's not God is no longer this person that, yes, he saved me and I go to church to worship him on Sundays and maybe I do a Bible study and but the rest of the week it's just kind of, I'm on my own. But he becomes a relationship in which he walks with you every single day, which he's already doing. We're just ignoring him, right? And then the second thing I see is as we pray daily bread prayers, it grows our gratitude towards God. It grows our gratitude towards God Daily bread prayers puts things into perspective. When we're people every day asking God for what we need, it helps our hearts to realize that the reality is that God is the provider of all good things. Just like how the beginning, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. That statement is true. But sometimes, if you're honest, you don't feel like that statement's true. Right? Sometimes you're mad at God. Sometimes you're like, I don't understand what's going on. And yet, Jesus says, no, hallowed be your name because you know, God, you are holy and perfect and good and right. And as we pray, God, would you, would you provide for me? And he provides. We see that he is the sustainer of our lives. Every breath that we have, every good gift is from him. James 1.16 says, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We begin to realize that every good gift and every perfect gift, everything that we have is his. And so out of that gratitude, it, it humbles us. It makes us realize that the stuff that we have, the things that the place that we live, the things that we have, the, the money we have, the time that we have, the job that we have, the friends, the neighbors, the, the positions we have are not ours. They're his. They're given, they're given to us, that we're stewards. And he actually wants to use us for his glory and for our good. It begins to shape and mold our lives to make us realize that, that, um, that, that he... Um, that we can be and we should be and that the best place for us is being fully dependent on him. Um, again, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Exodus um, and how it's so funny for us because ever since I can remember, uh, as I read the Old Testament, and especially Exodus and, I mean, all over the Old Testament, you see Israel 
And they just, they're like boneheads, right? Like you look at Israel and you're like, dumb, what are you doing, right? Like we do that all the time. And I'm thinking about, so we're not even, we're not there yet, but, um, but I'm looking forward and I'm thinking about, okay, so God brings Israel out of a 400 plus year slavery to Egypt. And the way he brings them out is ridiculous. He, he absolutely, uh, absolutely just makes fun of all the gods that the Egyptians, uh, that the Egyptians worship, saying, they're nothing. Like, I am God. Like, I am God. And if you trust in me, uh, and if you trust in me, you can come with me. But he does all of, all of these things. He brings them out of Egypt, out of this slavery. A million people brings them out, brings them out, leads them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, right? They're just walking, watching this cloud go and watching this fire go at night, and they're just following God's presence. And then they go through the Red Sea. That's like, you know, like, like uh, that's insane. Every, like, you know, what, uh, oh gosh, I just watched The Prince of Egypt because I was like in it, you know? And I was thinking about that. But then also, what's, this is the Ten Commandments. That's the other one, right? Oh man, the pillar of fire in my head and that is like hilarious to me. Anyway, but, but it's like crazy, right? It's absolutely nuts. And then they get into the wilderness and what happens? Israel complains. Like, oh, let's go back. Like, what? What are you talking about? <clears throat> what are you talking about? Let's go back. Let's go back to slavery. Like, and then like, and then, they're out in the wilderness and God says, look, I'm going to provide for you. So every day, I'm going to give you manna in the morning and in the evening. I'm going to give you quail. I'm going to give you food. I'm going to give you food every single day. But here's the deal. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you food every single day. So don't take extra. You don't need to take extra because I'm going to give it to you every single day. And, and what do they do? They take extra, right? And what happens? All this stuff spoils. Like God makes it to where it's like, nope, and it just spoils. It gets gross. And, and over and over again, they just don't trust God. And I feel like, to be honest with you, that story, every time I think about it, convicts me. Like a lot. Sorry. Because we look at Israel and we think, man, a bunch of boneheads. But we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and realize, man, look at what God has done for me in Christ. There's nothing I could have done to be brought into the kingdom of God, and he did everything. Not only that, but man, look at my life. I can see all of these points in my life where God has been so gracious to me. And then today, what do I do? I take more. I don't trust him with today. I want to seize the day for myself over and over and over again. And the problem is, you guys, I, like, we see clearly what happens to Israel every time they do that. When Israel does that, when Israel is not dependent on God, it just goes into turmoil. I mean, it absolutely wrecks them. And they get so low to a point where now they're in desperation, they have to trust God. Right? And it's just this vicious, ugly cycle. Josh Knight last week talked about that. And like, you can see that in the battle scene, right? Back and forth, back and forth, up and down, up and down. And this is where we're at. And I think that daily bread prayer if we go to God every single day and say, God, everything I need is in your hands, would you give what I need today? And how much God would transform our hearts in that. How much God would transform in our, our hearts in that.
because if, uh, because if everything we have is only by the grace of God, we actually know that, then it means now we can live lives that are completely open-handed. Say, God, whatever I have is yours. And then also, guys, we stop storing up treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And, and when thieves do break in and steal our stuff, here we go, doesn't really matter. Does not really matter. But we stop storing it up here and we store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. I don't know if you've been... Uh, I think a, a, a small picture of this, but a crazy picture just recently. I don't know if uh, any of you have been watching this on news, and I guess it's I've seen it through like social media. But um, like over the last ten days, there's been this crazy thing happening at Asbury College. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can look it up. Uh, but basically, ten, eleven—I forgot how many days ago. Eleven days ago, they have chapel service every day, and chapel was ending, like there was just normal sermon, singing, and they just kept singing. Ten hours later, still singing. Days later, still singing, still praying. The room is packed. People are flying all over trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. There are people being saved left and right, and it's just insane. And I've watched some of the videos of it, because like, you should be skeptical of things, right? You should test, right? The Bible says test everything. And so I'm, I'm looking at these things, and all I could see over and over again is a people crying out to God in dependency. Say, God, we need you. A room full of college students at first, and they grew into anybody from age one to 100, just there crying out in dependency for God. Saying, God, we need you. We need you to move. And then seeing him do that, and what if every day we were a people of that? Whether we, whether we were together, gathered like this, or at home with our families, or by ourselves in the closet, if we were a people who just cry out to God in desperation every single day, what would God do amongst us and in us? So, that's my hope for us. I think about everything among our students, um, and so um, that's my hope for them. Something I always say to them is my hope is that God would, would so show them himself that, he would, uh, that they would leverage everything they have and everything they are for the sake of the gospel because it is the best place for us to be in. And I think daily prayer has to be part of us. Daily bread prayer has to be part of us if that's going to happen. So what to do? Man, simply start praying for everything. Stop trying to solve your, all your problems and pray and seek God. Ask in desperation for him to move. God wants to give good gifts to his children. Yes, he will answer your prayers, and sometimes the answer is going to be no. That's the reality. But he will answer your prayers. Sometimes he'll change. He'll change your heart to think, or he'll change your heart and your mind to realize that the things that you've been praying that you need, you don't actually need. Too. He'll answer in that way. I think the prayer, I think a, a good prayer that we can be praying uh, for ourselves is in Proverbs 30. Proverbs 38 and 9 says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? 
or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Right, this is what we do. When we have everything we need, when things are good, it's really easy for us to say, who are you, Lord? Who are you? Who are you should I, that I should listen, that I should obey, that I should trust you? So what if we every day say, God, give me everything that I just need, everything I need. I trust you fully. So in this time, we're, we're gonna sing in, in, in a little bit, and there's gonna be people in the back that you can pray with. Um, I love that we've been doing this. Um, you can respond right now and say, man, there's, there's something in my life that's just causing me not to trust God, and I need someone to just pray and intercede for me. Um, maybe, maybe it's, uh, man, I, I haven't really heard uh, this about Jesus, and I want to believe in this Jesus. I want him to save me. Go and talk to them about that and pray over you. But then also, too, don't miss out on the opportunity for this week, for Ash Wednesday. Um, that time is a good time for us to reorient our hearts towards Jesus. So come again. It's not that full two hours. You come and you stay as long as you want through those stations. But man, last year, uh, man, my heart was uh, so encouraged and, and convicted. And God moved in my heart to make me realize some things in my life. And this is the time where you can go and you can ask and you practice, God, I need you. I need you. And I know there's areas in my life that do not show that. And so, God, would you work in me to realize that? I'm going to pray for us to that end. God, I, I pray for us. I pray that we would be a people who are completely and utterly dependent on you for everything. God, that we would realize that you are the provider of, of all good things. So God, would you humble us? Would you remind us of the gospel and what you've done? And that we haven't outgrown the gospel and moved on to greater and better things. That you are still at work. That now that you've saved us, you transform us by that same grace and mercy. God, now you really do provide for your children good gifts and you care for us. Just pray that you would help us to see that because we, we can be stubborn like the Israelites and just not see that and miss out on a relationship with you, miss out on what you're doing in the world, miss out on the kingdom of God coming down. Would you help us? It's in Jesus' name.